This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side, and joining me, my guys, my crew from MGO Blog. They come on every Thursday for the MGO Blog Roundtable. So looking forward to this as I always do. Starting off first with the man that started it all at MGO Blog, Mr. Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. I'm I'm well. That is good to hear. Uh, Seth Fisher, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks to the uh, the one more year club for bringing me back. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then, of course, our good friend, the venerable Craig Ross. Craig, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I'm not going to punish you with any bad lumbago jokes this week. <laughs> hey, man, no. Craig, I got to tell you, if you can see all the comments, y- your fan club loves all the anecdotes and, and quips man so i i don't want to discourage you all right i, yeah. I i'll 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 try and do better yeah keep keep coming with them man they look forward to the craigisms as i call them <laughs> right so uh but i want you guys to be jim harbaugh for a moment and and give me what you would look for the the traits understanding that you can't have everything you you, you want a guy who can recruit you want a guy who is a really good uh, you know, quarterback technique guy. You want maybe a guy who who has some experiences to play quarterback. It'd be great if you could have all those things. But assuming that you can't, which is probably a correct assumption, what would you emphasize? What would you prioritize, Brian? As you're going I mean, recruiter, that's another criteria uh, criterion. So, what would you prioritize in this hire if you were Jim Harbaugh? Um, I think play calling is probably towards the bottom of the list. Like you have Sharon Moore, who's an up and comer who you want to keep. And Harbaugh has, you know, I always wonder like exactly how much control any particular offensive coordinator has because Harbaugh is Harbaugh. Well, that's kind of low down on the list. I think having someone who's a quarterback coach who can coach a quarterback is also kind of low on the list because of Harbaugh. Um, you know, there's he's been his own quarterback coach for large portions of his career, and that's worked out just fine. So I think your recruiter is called for, and then whatever else you got, you got. Seth, how would you attack it? I mean, there's a lot of ways to attack it, so I think you kind of have to explore different options. Like, do you want Greg Roman? You know, I don't. Brian's right that Harbaugh can coach his own quarterbacks, but he doesn't, right? So unless he's going to step up and do that, you need somebody who's good at developing quarterbacks. You want to get everything you can out of J.J., so, and then you got to get the next guy, right? You got to get Jaden Davis. You got to get the guy after Jaden Davis. You got to start stocking this. Uh, so we're not, you know, JJ's are good to have, right? So I would say a guy who can recruit quarterback, a guy who can coach quarterback. You want like, you know, is Tom Brady available? Like, like, like that kind of name you can look, you can explore. But you know, if if uh, if you don't have that guy, uh, I'm fine with an internal promotion. Like Brian said, Jerome Moore probably deserves the OC job, you know, outright. Um, maybe even get to the point where you point to him and say, like, you know, whenever Harbaugh's done, five years, seven years, whatever it is, that's the guy who's going to take over the program. Um, and there's other guys out, like Mitch, there are, you know, Chris Partridge is out there. He's an amazing recruiter. You can kind of, you know, you have flexibility because Jay Harbaugh can kind of coach anything. So I think there's a good option. So you have to kind of see what your options are and see what you can do and see what you can move around. I know they got an internal guy that J.J. loves, so, you know, I don't think they're 
going to come up with a bad option. It's just you have to look at your good options and say what is what accomplishes my goals the best. Craig Ross? Yeah, right now, to me, the athletic department mirrors a dysfunctional family as a whole. And to some extent, that's true of the Michigan football program, at least from an outsider's view. And, and so I'm looking, number one, for a person who's a relationship builder uh, within the program and, and with uh, student athletes and families of student athletes. I'm looking for someone uh, who doesn't have a lot of rough edges, someone who doesn't end up in conflicts with others, but can, can go with the flow. Oh, it sounds uh, like you're leveling a pitch for Craig Ross, quarterbacks coach. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> no, I don't make any money. I need so I need a job. No, the uh, not. I'm thanks, Brian. But but no, I think that that those those things are the sort of things I would be looking at. And if that's Partridge, who we know because he's been here and he's a good recruiter, and you flip him over the DBs and you move Jay into the quarterback slot, that's fine. As, as you've pointed out, we've got um, people who can teach quarterbacks or should be able to teach quarterbacks how to play. And uh, I mean, Jim Harbaugh was an actual good quarterback. Uh, his name isn't there in Indianapolis on the wall. So yeah. Uh, and I don't know who, who works best, whether the internal guy works best for that, but one thing's for sure. I, I want, I want someone who is is going to sort of mesh as best as possible with with what they've got. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I guess we won't know uh, until he makes the hire whether Jim, because you know for the, the majority of his career he's had multiple play callers, right? And then he ventured away from that uh, with with Gaddis, and then got back to it last year. And I, I wonder if having done it. A different way and then going back to the old way kind of changes his perspective a little bit they were still successful last year but you know it just felt like there were times where it was a bit choppy with the with the breakdown with Sharon being you know with Weiss being third down in red zone and Sharon being the rest so you know you you got a big play that gets in the red zone now the the other guy comes in and calls the the next play because, you know, and, and does it stack the same way? I, I just, I don't know how he would see that, but it's an important <laughs> question. If you're talking about going to maybe grab a pro guy, uh, cause I, I just don't know that a pro guy would come back and not have some coordinating duties in there as well. And, and maybe even if you're going to get another, looking at another coordinator, which I know he is uh, in some respects, can you bring in another coordinator and say, okay, well, you come over here, but you aren't going to be calling plays. It just it feels like you're going to be limited if you aren't going to have play calling as part of the uh, as part of the job description. If you're going to bring in a guy, if you're going to bring someone from outside, Greg Roman or whatever, then I think play calling is part of the deal. Because what you're doing is saying, look, we got JJ, we got an incredible offensive line, we got Corum. You have more tools than college football program almost ever gets. On offense, this could be a generational offense. You want to run this? This we want to pilot this ship. You know that's an opportunity to get somebody right. We could go around the whole country and be like, "Whose offensive coordinator do you want?" Because after running this ship, you're going to look really good. <laughs> okay, so all you can say is like, "Look, if you want to come here, we're going to pay you. We're going to we want a, a, a three year commitment to make sure that you get the next guy in. You recruit some players, and then you're off to go be a head coach somewhere because you're going to look really good coaching this offense. That's the that's one option. If they don't want to go that route, if they, he wants to maintain control of his offense, then he's got to go internal. Yeah, I will say this. Listen, Jim, he he'll think outside. The, I don't think that the J thing is a you know it, it's not like fantasy the fantasy trade thing that you see, oh, well, I'm going to trade, you know, I'm going to trade Isaiah Stewart for, you know, AD, right? It's, it's not like that, like you see fans do. This one, I don't think is is ridiculous from this standpoint. I remember when when Wheatley left, I think we talked about this on the roundtable before, when Wheatley left, everyone is thinking he's going to go hire a running backs coach. And at the time, uh, this was around the time where Kevin Wilson goes over to, I think that was right when Kevin Wilson had gone over to Ohio State. 
mm-hmm. and Greg Fry was available, mm-hmm. right? And and so Jim is looking at that, and they obviously were running the football very well at, at Indiana at that time with Tevin Coleman. So they were doing some things there. And you got Greg Fry out there. And it's like, man, if I don't hire this dude, he might go to Ohio State mm-hmm. and help take what they were doing, running the football at Indiana over to Ohio State. And then on top of that, I could maybe add some of that run game element to what I'm doing instead of hiring a running backs coach. Let me go hire this fry guy and make Jay the running backs coach when Jay hadn't coached running backs before. So two things, he definitely thinks outside the box. And the other thing is he thinks Jay can coach anything. And and he, he might not be wrong, Brian. I mean, Jay might be able to coach anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, Quarterback is a spot where I would be a little bit leerier of of that theory, just because you know running back is honestly it's mostly you either got it or you don't. It's like how fast can you process information, <clears throat> and technique is I think much less of an issue there. Um, not that it isn't important, but quarterback is on another level. So I would, you know, if it is moving Jay over to quarterbacks and getting someone else, to me that's something that says that Jay's a personable guy. Jay's a good recruiter. Um, and Jim Harbaugh can reassert himself as the quarterback, quarterback coach. coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, agree, I agree with that. I think that's, look, you're absolutely right. Especially with JJ McCarthy as uh, you know, as a, maybe a Heisman trophy candidate, Craig, uh, this season, I think that would definitely signal that, that Jim would be taking a more uh, sort of aggressive, uh, more assertive role. And, and coaching quarterbacks. I'm not saying that that's what's happening or what's going to happen. Uh, I'm just saying it's not ridiculous. It's not a ridiculous thought to to have. It's not this you know imaginary thing like we see often see on message boards. I don't count this as that. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree with Brian on this. Incidentally, when Jay Harbaugh came here, there was a lot of grumbling on message boards by by fans that this was just nepotism. And no one believes that anymore. I mean, Jay Harbaugh has been good as a special teams coach. He's been good as a running backs coach. He's been good as a tight ends coach. You know, every, every place he's been stashed, he's, he's worked out. And I get to see him interacting with people, you know, a few times a year because of where I sit in basketball down where the recruits are. And he's, just the way he handles himself and talks to people is is impressive. So I, I think it's quite plausible that uh, Jay Harbaugh could uh, could coach the quarterbacks and do just fine. And if not, you know, I think uh, there are people in the program who can. And so, yeah, that's the whole Partridge thing. Now, I guess it depends on how um, – interested they are in having partridge back right, uh, right that's what it depends upon i mean certainly it seemed from as an outsider it seemed like he was a success here yeah well i jake jay is is one of those you know if if we were applied to apply the five tool analogy to to coaching yeah. he's that dude uh he can coach he he does well with the other coaches on staff uh he can recruit his tail off uh you know he, he, that's one of those guys where, I mean, if you could have a staff full of them, you you be knocking it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't. But man, if you if you put him in that role, you'd be on every five star quarterback in the country. I mean, there's just it is when you think about it that way, you're like, okay, you can really see the possibilities. You would never have a problem recruiting quarterback. Yeah. Just telling you that right now, if Jay Hart. So just like I you mean, didn't there's have a problem running backs. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, I, and, and tight end. You know, he stocked the tight end room like crazy. And that running back, he, he got Quorum, he got Charbonnet, he got Edwards. You know, he's, that's that's not a question. I mean, it's funny how he's so much more his uncle than he is his father. <laughs> <laughs> because there's been not even an ounce of weirdness. He's just like a normal guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very personal. It'll be interesting to yeah. see how it goes. Uh, but that, you know, looking at what he's looking at at this point in time, you know, will he go back to having the sole player caller? And if he does, you know, Sharon, you know, I, I think he it would definitely now with a year under his belt, you know, being a duel, I, I think he, he would be ready to to have the reins. And so I got to wait to see what Jim is going to do. 
Uh, but just glad to have a normal week, fellas. Glad to have a normal week in Michigan football, right? Week's we can not actually... over yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak any bad stuff into existence, man. Ben uh, Plocky had a loss. Up. Maybe that's the end of it. <laughs> Maybe right, we're well. Dumb her now, too. Anything could happen in this AD. Yeah, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of, of opportunity to focus attention on, on basketball. And as we do it, it feels like it's make or break time for the Michigan basketball team uh, this season. Uh, you know, we I know on our podcast, my podcast with Tim McCormick, we we do this thing where we talk, we say N- NIT or NCAA. And every week that goes by, it's like more and more NIT. We're at that moment where there are no quad one wins. And now Jets hurt with with Purdue coming to town. And I wonder what you guys, A, make of that matchup, and B, what does this team have to do down the stretch? What are they left? 12 games are? I think there are 12 games left. What do they have to do down the stretch here of the Big Ten season to be a tournament team in a very soft bubble year, right? So I, I don't know how you see it, Brian. Honestly, I haven't even been looking at the bubble because, <laughs> right? you know, it's just been I, – I just – it would be really surprising to me if they were able to to make the tournament because they have, as you mentioned, zero quad one wins. Uh, I like Bart Torvik's site, and last time I looked him up, they were the number twenty seven team out with a zero point zero chance of an at large bid. So <laughs> they got to get a lot better fast. I mean, part of that is that they're expecting those projections expect teams to keep playing the way that they've been playing. Um, but if they keep playing the way they've been playing, they're not going to the tournament flat out. And I just don't necessarily see them getting better fast enough to change that. And they've got a lot of holes and they don't have any real answers that you're not seeing anyone really emerge mid season. You're seeing some improvement from Doug McDaniel. The bench is pretty soft. Like, you know, Will Cheddar had a couple good plays in the most recent game, but you know, you're not seeing Isaiah Barnes come up. Someone who can change Michigan's paradigm defensively would be great. Yeah. But when Jet went out, you know, they brought in Joey Baker, and that doesn't change anyone's paradigm defensively. So it's, uh, yeah, they're not good enough offensively to out outpace their defensive mistakes, and they have been unlucky. Like they're very, very bad in close games, and part of that is youth, and part of that is just misfortune. And I feel like I'm already thinking about like. Oh, Terrace Reed did that. That'll be interesting for next year. So, <laughs> yeah. Craig? Yeah. Uh, what Brian told me last week was, quote, they're as dead as a trout in a tub of motor oil. And and I think uh, that's not quite true. I think he exaggerated a bit. And, you know, I still have some hope. I look back over their losses, as Brian points out. These have been... I mean, they've got eight losses and seven of them are in close games. Uh, And if you turn around, say, Iowa, a game they're up by seven with two minutes to go and they just pissed away, or the game against Central, which is inexplicable, they lost by two points there when they got creamed on the boards, uh, they're they're 13 and six and we're saying, yeah, they're, they have a good, they have a pretty good chance, but as it is right now, we're saying, Oh no, they're dead. I'm, I'm not quite convinced they're dead. I even think they can beat Purdue tonight, even without jet Michigan, Michigan matches up. Okay. Against Purdue. Cause they're one of the few teams that can, that can play someone mano a mano on Zach Edie, and that's Hunter. And uh, now Edie's on a trajectory up. Many people think Hunter's on a trajectory down. I'm not one of those people. I think he's been flatlining a bit, but I don't think he, he, you know, he's on a trajectory down and he has outplayed Edie in the past. Now, even though Edie is, is improving. Um, you know, the problem is Caleb first at the four. He's 6'10". He's the real deal. Uh, I think if Michigan goes big, there's a lot of risk to that because they have no backup. But if I think if they if they go big at the four, uh, this team has some chance because even though the backcourt of Braden Smith and Lawyer are very fine players, both freshmen, incidentally, um, they're not super quick. And, and they're the kinds of, of players that I think Kobe and Doug can can keep in front of them. And, and so 
to me, it, it, the game is, okay, who makes threes? Uh, you know, Michigan makes threes. I think we're going to win. They make threes. We'll probably lose. But I do think this is a game Michigan has a chance on. And if they do win this game, I think Purdue is number one in the country. Now, all of a sudden, it looks a little different, particularly if they can win a few games go, going forward. Indeed, they could still finish easily second in the Big Ten. I think so, and Forget about the non-conference. If they're second in the Big Ten, are they making the Big? Are they making the NCAA's? Yes. So even Man. though I hear what Brian's saying, I'm not quite there yet. That's a whole you're, 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 optimism. Wow. What? Like early in the season, they've had like one like tight game, and you're like, it's over. They're done. <laughs> and now you're like, eh, it could happen. <laughs> they Fair could be point. Out I mean, look at Purdue Fair on the point. road this year, though. Purdue, they, they need a last-second shot to beat Ohio State. They need a last-second shot to beat Michigan State. They need a last-second shot to go to overtime with Nebraska. So, they, I mean, they, they've not played well on the road, and part of that is because, you know, if Edie gets in foul trouble, that changes the whole thing. First has to play, play, the, play center. He never gets in foul trouble, though. He's got like 10 fouls this year. I know, I know, I know. But they've also played almost all their games at home. I think even one of their road games this year was moved to like a, a semi-away and it was all their fans. So, like, they've played only a few games on the road, and those are the only games he's had any fouls. And you only need two. Two fouls on a big in the first half is yeah. not – hard to come by right so i know well, he's not following because he just sticks Hunter his arm Dickinson up in the air and that's it but like that's settling for 18 foot jumpers he's not going to get fouls yeah, like, uh, yeah that's yeah. really frustrated with the way dickinson is mm. playing this year because he's not getting good post position and he's he's settling for stuff that's outside the paint way too much even when he does put the ball on the floor like he's got that hook he's not actually getting to the rim very much and i, I like he's dropped from a 94th percentile post player according to synergy to something like 70th mm -hmm. and that's a huge drop it's an even bigger drop than it sounds because you know the, those bell curves are not shaped the same yeah. and, and so you've got he's dropped 0.2 points per possession on post-ups and that's an enormous difference and it doesn't take very much of that to like point to michigan's record right yeah like michigan's record is heavily dependent on their struggles and close games and if hunter dickinson was posting up at a, a a 20, 15, 20% 20 more efficient than than he is this year, then you're talking about a totally different situation as, as far as it goes with making the tournament. So I, I talked at length about this very topic with Phil Martelli and with, with Tim McCormick. You know, Phil's contention is that the the pain is just way more congested uh, this year. Hunter is is getting swiped and hacked and bumped and 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 really, really harassed. Uh, in the post before he even catches it sometimes mm. uh, more so than he has in the past. Tim's uh, reply is Hunter needs to learn to get in when he gets the ball, get into his move quicker uh, as an adjustment. The, the thing about this game, though, if you look back at how he was effective against Purdue last year, it really was predicated upon how he did away from the rim. You know, his, his ability to, whether they put, Put uh, Zach Eady, make him guard some ball screens, do some pick and pop, have Hunter shoot some threes, which he did at a very good rate against Purdue last year. And he wound up outplaying Eady uh, in both games. And so you got to imagine that that's going to be part of the recipe uh, they're going to try to apply again this year because that's how you that's how you try to slow this dude down this year. I mean, you can't guard him. No one can guard him when he gets the ball, and they're not even Hunter when he gets the ball in the paint. But if you make him play some defense, makes him a lot more guardable on the other end of the floor, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, Purdue is a special case. Like, I do I do agree with the idea that this should be a game in which Hunter takes four or five threes. Just pull, pull Edie out of the paint, make him move around him. Mean, he is enormous, and that comes with cost in terms of physical stamina and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, you know... I think last year, a lot of Hunter's success in these games came against Trevion Williams, who's a great matchup for Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. A six foot eight guy who can't get off the floor. And I mean, that's like Hunter Dickinson's fantasy land when you're talking about an opposing guy. Seven foot four with weird pterodactyl arms, that's a problem. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do think that that's a, a good prescription it's just i don't know if you can play terrorist read at the same time because 
Yeah. Like, then you can just have Evie on on Reed, right? On Reed, yeah. And then you've got Caleb first for Purdue. They have options that aren't terrible when it comes Mm -hmm. to, to switching that. And then when Hunter does get in the post, you just. Zach Eady help the defense is intimidating because passing over that, skipping over that length is really hard. So the the two big lineup, I think we're going to see it some. I I wonder how effective it's actually going to be. Yeah, that's a really fair fair point and reasonable speculation. I I think Michigan has some opportunity to post Terrace up against first, uh, and. I don't think they're going to put first out on Hunter under under most any set of circumstances because I don't think that's a matchup that really works for Purdue at all. And so, but we'll you know we'll see. I mean, I do think that this isn't a terrible matchup uh, for Michigan, except for Edie because Edie's a matchup problem for everyone. But if anyone can match up against Purdue and Edie it, it can match up against him, it's it's Hunter. The um, uh, anyway, I don't know if you saw Izzo after the Purdue game. He claimed Edie weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> I'm serious. He's, and I don't think he weighs 400 pounds or anything close <laughs> to 300 pounds. But, you know, that's, you know, he doesn't and weigh he 400 looks, he pounds. He looks in better shape to me. He is in better year. shape. He and is he's thinner. Playing, he's he's playing in 31 shape. minutes a game. I mean, yeah. I, I'm impressed. I'm, oh, he's an impressive player. And I think Purdue only took him when they didn't get Hunter. Yeah, they missed out. Backup plan. They know, missed out so. on a couple of guys, and they pulled some nobody dude from uh, IMG's JV team, who happened to be ranked about 350th. And yeah. as soon as I saw Zach Eady on a Big Ten basketball court, I looked up his 24/7 profile, and I was like, "How did the entire industry just?" Yes, I mean, all you have to do is look at him, and you're like, uh, "150th is my floor here." Because <laughs> he was playing hockey. Because <laughs> he was playing hockey. Which man, if only Michigan. Well, like, but what a perfect guy for Michigan. We could. Yeah, put he's, that guy he's from. One night. He's from Stauskasville, right? He's from up there in the suburbs of Toronto, where, where all these basketball guys seem to be from these days. Uh, so yeah, I don't you know. know what? But see, I, I think to a certain extent, even in college, even though guys who are more traditional centers uh, can play and thrive. I still think there's that influence, that pro influence that y- you try to get skewed towards more athleticism at that spot. I think he went to the perfect team. I mean, it's, the, yeah. it's the, it was the best place for him maybe in the country to go, at least at the high major level. Uh, and they, they had a chance to nurture him, not put all the pressure on him to be a guy right away grew him up over time and and here we are but uh, you know i can i can see how in this day and age people will look at zach Eady and be like man that dude's not gonna be able to who's he gonna guard <laughs> kind of kind of thing oh uh, yeah but like we're talking about i mean once we get down into the 80s i don't think nba potential should be a major factor like i understand that at the top of the rankings i mean is this it's a hard it's a hard thing to do these days as ranked basketball players because you got guys who are definitely going to go in the NBA lottery, but aren't very good college players. And I was talking about Nasir Little, who was at UNC and was a bench player for them because he didn't really have any skill, but he was like six foot six and could jump out of the gym. So the NBA was going to take him. Mm-hmm. So that guy was a five star player, but he shouldn't have been sort of. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know how to say this. Um, it's a tough. It's a tough thing to do these days. But we can all agree that Zach Eady was a miss. Yeah, no, no question. No question. And Well, and isn't this some of the problem that Michigan has? I mean, last year we had the supposed, you know, number one recruiting class. Yeah. But, but the problem is two of those guys were five stars because they had NBA ceilings. Yeah, they were NBA They were bodies. gone to the NBA, but they weren't. You know, they weren't they were middling college players like neither one of them was a was a high usage guy. Right. You know, they weren't very efficient. And defensively, even though Diabate was has huge potential, he made a lot of freshman mistakes. So you spent all that time developing those guys and then you don't get to benefit from it anyway. So, yeah, it was kind of a a disappointing outcome for that. Yeah, I find myself lamenting to a certain extent the explosion uh, and, and uh, potential that in, in obvious potential for jet 
this year uh, because the more you talk to people, the more they say lottery. And yeah. The more, they say, the more they say lottery, the more I say that guy's not going to be here next year. Uh-huh. Well, if he's a lottery um, pick, I think he's gone. You yeah. talk to mom. That's the, uh, that's that. Yeah. Because I, mean, I have that's, a hunch that's who decides. That's like the reason that he would come back, I guess. It would be an unconventional decision, but his dad is the coach. And that would, that's like the one thing I'm kind of holding on to is like, well, <laughs> these, these folks don't need money. They uh, have a vested interest in the success of the University of Michigan's basketball program. Uh, maybe they'll stick around for a little bit longer than you'd expect. Give the give dad that that discount, the hometown discount, the dad discount. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna forego or delay my my pro career. I mean, he's a little bit happen. more valuable. It, it could happen. Yeah, I mean, he's he's more. That's and 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 I yell can might even help too, even though. Even though the family's I not, I mean hurting. nil is not real. No, but like I the you want to make your own. If your dad's making nil is like dad <laughs> opening the checkbook and saying, "How much do you want?" So do it. Do yeah, it. Man, when you walk out, I remember walking. Uh, I'd never seen this before. Walking by, uh, walking around Chrysler, and there's this yellow Ferrari in the parking lot. It's like I know who that is. I know who owns that. Right? That's the, I didn't know Joaquin fitted a Ferrari. Sure enough, he can though. So. Yeah, man, I don't. I'm, I agree with Brian. I don't think. NIL I know. No, that was that was me, get, me me being funny about it. But like, it's it's just sucks that we don't have him for this game because, like you said, why does the NBA not care about you know a seven foot four freak like? Uh, and and it's, the reason is because you know you can just shoot over that guy nowadays. They just have six foot eight freaks who can you know go out and destroy three guard lineups. So. You know what's Jet? He's exactly what the NBA wants nowadays, and that's why he's the number one ranked player in the Big Ten right now, as far as NBA draft boards. Um, which man, like, I don't want to be on this treadmill. I don't want to be the team that's like getting freshman year quality play only from lottery picks. Like, it's going to be really cool when they're all in the NBA and we've got this like huge roster of guys who are like starting for playoff teams, but it's that's uh, not nearly as cool as winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if, you know, if Caleb and Musa are going to be populating the NBA any day soon. <laughs> Musa's going to have some time. Give him time. He needed to. Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree to give them time. I mean, I, I'm not. Caleb, I think we overestimate. I, we looked at a guy who was Hitting fifty percent of his threes and was six foot eight. Yeah. I don't think people look past that. I don't. I don't want to go through this particular piece of revisionist history, but we <laughs> yeah, had some. You called it. You called it. <laughs> you called it. You got that one, Craig. All right, someone got it right. <laughs> Nobody, anyone takes seriously, got it right. <laughs> no one, anyone takes seriously. I give you that one. You got that one. <laughs> All right, listen. We got to get to a break. Yeah, man. Uh, hate to. I thought Jet was gonna be a two and done for sure. Now it's like, man, you just hear more and more of the NBA folks who who tend to not just be, you know, just giving you a projection. They they tend to mix in some some uh, insight and intel um, from the inner circle, and it just sounds like it's not. If he's a lottery pick, that there's going to be a decision that has like it's not a given, which I thought it was going to be a given that he's going to be back for year two. So it makes this this year where you you think about it maybe being a building block year. It's like, well, damn, it feels like it's going to be like a wash. Yeah, you, you probably get Hunter back. I think you could probably say that. Uh, I think there's a reasonable way. chance you get Hunter back. I think Terrace is going to be a really, really good basketball player, and he may have a couple years back. I think Doug, if you look at Doug's stats and Trey Burke's stats from their fresh fr- freshman year, not much different. In fact, in some some respect, Doug's stats are better. And uh, really, really. Wow. Assist and turnovers, he's way ahead of Trey. And because uh, I pulled him out, at least in Big Ten games, I'm at least looking at the where since Doug has been playing as sort of the full-time guy. Now, it's a limited sample. You're talking eight games. But in those eight games, his numbers are are overall better than Trey's. And, and so 
Um, Man, I cannot agree with that. Well, we all got them right here. I don't know. No, I mean, I'm looking at. at you Ken might Palm be looking right at now. the eye test. I agree. No, with I'm looking test. at Ken Palm right now. Trey Burke was a 27% usage guy who shot yeah, 49. Care about usage so much. But, okay, well, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you have to care about usage. Mm-hmm. He, he shot 49.35. He had an assist rate of 29 and a turnover rate of 18. And that's, I mean, Doug is nowhere near that. Doug well, is. Doug is uh, 4.9 assists per game versus 4.3. Doug is 1.875 turnovers per game versus 2.56. So he wins that category. And his assist he, rate he and is, turnover rate is about the same. His, his usage steals, is seven points lower. His steals are His twice. usage is seven points lower, and he's shooting yeah. 37% from two. Yeah, that is not correct, the same universe. That is not the same universe. 39% from three versus 37 uh, for Trey. Okay, uh, you're okay. You're taking a small sample size. I, no, I admit, I said I, 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 can, I can see the small sample size, and it may not, but we don't know which way this sample size is going to go. Yeah, I mean, which which direction? Oh. But it's been it's been has been trending up during the Big Ten games, and so I'm not saying he's been great, and his defense is a debacle. Okay, I'll give you that. He's one of the worst defenders in the Big Ten right now. But uh, but if you look at his offensive numbers and trades, they're not crazy different. I just remember Trey being being a legit NBA prospect after his freshman year. Like right. he's legit gone. Yeah, I that's see, yeah. I just that's go fair. see that with, with Doug. This well, is not. You're not talking about a player in the same stratosphere. Okay. Even I'm, if you I'm, restrict it to the Big Ten only numbers, which are better because two of those games are against Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. And one Minnesota, of those is against incidentally, Iowa. is not that bad as it turns out. Minnesota is 188th in Ken Bob. I know. But I don't know if you saw the game Stand last Standby guys night. coming back With on no radio. Center, no okay. center. They they took Indiana to the, to the last second of the game, and their first team center and second team center were out. And and they still and we are back, folks. Here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Hey, so Craig, I, I think you yeah. were trying to balance out your victory lap on uh, during the break. Your like like saying on. something completely <laughs> stupid. You got the Caleb Houston. You got that one honest. You called it. You said, "Hey, this uh, this take on him being this three point marksman." I don't necessarily agree with that. You were on point. That's because I watched him play three games in Europe where he shot 10 for 52 from three. You did. You called it. But then you came in the break and said, hey, you know, Doug is, is better in, in some respects than Trey Burke as a freshman. Yeah. I was like, mm, I don't know if I can get with that. Uh, Ryan gave you some, some some stats. I'm just giving you the eyeball test. I just don't. I, I don't think it's close. Greg. Defensively, it isn't close. And, and the eyeball test, it isn't close. But if you look at some of the numbers, okay, if you squint a bit, you can see, you know, his assist turnover numbers are better than Trey's his freshman year. That's a fact, at least in the in in the big, uh, in in the Big Ten. So I'm I'm gonna say that I I think you know when you're talking about the potential of of next year's team. <laughs> It wasn't the 40s. It was the 30s, bro. The uh, uh, yeah, people, people in the chat are saying Craig is uh, definitely did a lot of drugs. He's done a lot of drugs in his time, or maybe yeah. he's doing some now. All right. I, hey, look. I'm getting off of my Iba game. Let, let me let me meet you halfway. I, I do right. think, even with the very rough game that he had against Maryland, yeah, I, I think we have seen some. Can can we agree? We've seen some signs of growth in, in Doug. I, he's. He's shooting the ball from distance better than I expected him to. Um, he and his in between game seems like he's making some 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 strides there. So I, I think we've we've seen some progress in his game, but I still a ways to go to get to even freshman Trey Burke level, at least to me. Okay. Well, Doug, I'm putting it on you, bro. Next year you gotta pull me out of this. I can't hear you, uh, Seth. Are you saying so? If you're talking, Seth, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, Seth. You're you're kind of muted. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So, uh, it is okay. Okay, I, it's terrible that I was muted because I was sitting here screaming, going, "Please stop this conversation. Get off this conversation. <laughs> this is the dumbest conversation. There's no comparison." 
between Trey Burke and Doug McDaniel. If you saw a bunch of garbage bags in Doug McDaniel's room right now, no one would say, oh, he's going to the NBA. Okay? <laughs> It's not happening. This is, this is the, the dumbest conversation to be having. You can compare him okay. to Xavier Simpson if you want to. But the point is, no. Doug does need to go a long way towards just seeing the court. Freshman point guards always have this issue, and some offenses don't even bother to get more complex. And Juwan Howard's offense is not one of them. Point guards take big leaps from their freshman to sophomore year as far as seeing the court. That really matters to this team. You know, we we're on a get, about Hunter getting hacked all the time down low and not being able to, and just settling for his jumpers, and that's been a big problem on this team, especially because the competition level I think at center is way down this year from what it was last year. Like Penn State center should just be getting put in a pine box every single time he goes against them, but they come down, and they hack him all the time. The reason why he's getting the ball so high in the post, and they have the opportunity to do that, is because we don't have people getting him the ball down low, right? I'm not so dissing Jenny, Doug Jenny, here. So we got someone coming in the chat saying, don't diss Doug. Jenny, not dissing Doug. Not dissing <laughs> Doug. I think what's being dissed is the comparison. <laughs> so, yes. so let's 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 be clear. I think Doug it has come along nicely for a freshman. Michigan just happens to be in a very unfortunate circumstance of thrusting him into a role that they didn't anticipate having him in as a freshman. So uh that that'll be good for next year but for here and now you got to live through some some growing pains and so it, it, it takes me to a, another question that i have for you guys and we we've touched on it a little bit before because you can fix things quickly now with the portal and we see it in football Borgia said something to me the other day he said man you know this day and age of of college athletics you, there's there's no learning on the job at michigan uh, anymore, at least it shouldn't be if you can work the portal right. And Michigan has gotten to a point now, seemingly in football, where they figured the portal out. So, is it what do you guys think it is? Because it's not Santa Ono coming in and changing the admission standards, that didn't happen. <laughs> is it the portal is deeper? Is it a more refined portal strategy, or is it a combination of the two? Because whatever it is, whatever Michigan did on the football side of things, and I know. Juwan and company have had some success in the portal thus far, but they need to be able to bottle what football just did and apply it to the basketball side of things if there's going to be a quick fix to what's going on this year. Well, with football, I think this year's haul is probably a little unrepresentative because you had COVID. two major events. You had um, Stanford firing its head football coach, or he, re he resigned. And then you had a personal relationship between Sharon Moore and uh, Henderson. So, you know, those were a big portion of this portal class. Now, they did some work with Hausman and, and some other guys with Stewart, that kind of thing. I don't know what basketball can do because I was looking at the portal class last year and I was like, well, you know, there are some good guys in here. And then Michigan tried to get Terrence Shannon and it didn't work out. So that is that really like fixable? I don't know because... <laughs> Terrence I would Shannon really like real good right now. Right? I would I would really like it to be fixable because it's uh, you know the university uh, being completely insane that they can't get Terrence Shannon's uh, credits to transfer because I mean it's 2023. This guy's getting a degree in basketball and that's fine. Like you need to go to class, you need to take your classes, but. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a snow day, guys. Oh, dude, um, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah, uh, I'm right there, I'm living with you. That's why I'm doing it. I'm right there with you, Brian. I get it. We get it. So. All right, uh, you're going to have to give me a second. Why don't you guys talk? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. what your what Brian said makes make sense. There's no reason why the university, uh, you know, can't functionally give degrees in basketball with other things being a part of it, and even if they don't call it that. And so what happened with Shannon made no real sense. You're not talking about 5,000 students at the university. You're talking about one student with, with very special skills. You know, and, and if, for example, someone like, say, Madonna wanted to come to the University of Michigan because she had one special skill set, I don't think the university would be upset about it or, or think it's a big deal. Yeah, see, so. here, here's the thing. So I think the portal is going to keep getting deeper. And I don't think it'll be this, ex this exceptional thing that you have relationships, pre-existing relationships playing into 
you know, portal acquisitions. I think that's going to be the rule. I think that's that's why now when coaches are recruiting, if they aren't already doing it, they haven't already made this adjustment, they better make it quick. Be telling guys, hey, if you go someplace else, hey, man, I'll see you the next time around, right? I'll see you in a couple years. If you get in the portal, I'll come back and talk to you at that point. That's why you don't burn bridges in recruiting because now you're going to be able to recruit those guys a second time. And and so because of that, I think that maybe we'll start to see on the on the football side of things too. I mean, Ernest Hausman, uh, they were talking about how Hilo, uh, I was talking to him down at, at the Fiesta Bowl. I guess they, they had recruited him. And so it made it easier to jump back on him when he when he hit the portal, right? So, you know, if you if you did a good job establishing a relationship during the initial recruiting phase, maybe that can result in some success down the line. You just got to hope that's the case for for uh, for Michigan basketball because it looks like what should be. You look at this year if it winds up being a foundation year, which I agree with Brian, it looks like it's going to be a big part of that foundation is good chance is going to go and talking about jets. So, and you already have other holes to fill. So portal seems to me to be the best way out of, um, or best, best way back to, to maybe being uh, in contention again. I don't think it's going to happen in recruiting, not at least in the short term. Well, I mean, if, if they do get jet back, you don't probably don't need a whole lot for next year. Like you've got two underclassmen in your backcourt who are coming back. You probably have Tristan Llewellyn. Uh, Tristan, I did this again. Jalen Llewellyn. <laughs> Tristan Llewellyn is a Michigan hockey defenseman from like 15 years ago. Well, um, pause right there. So would you would yeah. you bring Llewellyn back versus taking a stab, trying to take a run at someone else in the portal? Well, I mean, you believed in this guy and and you thought he was a good good option. Like, and honestly, like and I, like scholarship limits no longer exist for the University of Michigan. So if he wants to come back and he understands that he's going to need to compete for playing time, then he can come back. I wouldn't guarantee him anything, but I would definitely give him the option. Um, but yeah, and then I think you're looking for Terrence Shannon. <laughs> I think they're going to be more Terrence Shannon. I do. Well, yeah, we'll so that's what you're looking for. A couple things. I do like George Washington the third. Um, I mean, he's a freshman coming in. He's signed his letter of intent, and I think he's a nice rounded player. He's not a true point. He's a he's a combo guard, but has a nice intermediate game and can shoot the three. Really nice mechanics on his shot. He's a player I like and, and I think has potential. Uh, Papa Conte also makes the front court uh better because you actually now have three guys in the, in the, in the big rotation versus right now only really having two. And I, I like Michigan's basketball future just as it sits, uh, you know, eat with or without jet with jet. I like it more, but with or without jet, I think this is, a, I mean, Michigan's in a, in a pretty good situation. They have guys who are going to come along and I include Doug on that. And, uh, and I include Kobe and, so I, I I see this as a team that, okay, even if this year has been a major step back in large part because of last year's recruiting class evaporating uh, in, in half at least, um, I, I don't see the future as being negative at all. It'd be great if, if they can get Jet. It'd be great if they lose Jet, if they can get someone in the portal. But I still think that what Juwan has is, a, is an interesting core and a good core going forward. Here's the the glass half full in this class. To, to mm-hmm. Seth's point, he said, "I don't want to be on this treadmill. This is not a treadmill class. This both of these guys are probably four year players, three at least three, but probably four year players. So there mm-hmm. is that. Mm-hmm. It's developmental class." Yeah, we talked about yeah. this on our podcast that like we just we I mean, Kobe Bufkin is a great example where a guy can come in, give you a few minutes his freshman year, but you're really looking at his long term potential. And you look at the teams that are really good year in year out, um, who are just always there. You know, it's that's what they do. I'm mean, Houston starting, I think, uh, three, four year players and two, three year players right now. And they picked up one lottery guy. Right. So, like, that's that's how you build these great teams is you have a lot of continuity. You have guys in your system a long time. And Howard's not been here that long. And he's had COVID in the middle of it like it's but it's it's slowed his develop development of his program because if he'd gotten a point guard when he came in and that point guard was starting today, you'd have a very different team now. And I don't want to knock on Doug, 
but he's a freshman, and that means you can't get the ball down to Hunter where you want to get the ball to him because you just can't set up the offense very well. And that's, I mean, it's it's still a guard league. It's still that's what NCAA basketball is. It's always been, and you can have a big produce a great example who just changes the game, but you still need to have some guards. And you know, if you're starting a true freshman point guard and you got nobody behind him, that kind of puts a cap on your team. Well, Purdue is starting two freshman guards, and they got no one behind them, yep. <laughs> and and it's working, you know, for somehow. Yeah. Now that may be in part because of Edie. I, I grant you that. Yeah, these I mean, dudes lost a lottery pick, and they're the number one team in the country. I, I get. Yeah. yeah, Matt Painter is that dude. I, I'm yeah, he, paint. he so. always has been. But like, one thing that Purdue has uh, is the luxury of an eraser on the back end. Yeah, for sure. Like you can you can make all the defensive mistakes you want <laughs> and and Zach Eady is going to clean up a bunch of those. So it's a, it's a different situation when you've got an elite defensive center and you can bring some guys along who are making mistakes that just don't necessarily matter that much. Yeah. I will say that their freshmen are, are really a precocious duo. I've been impressed with how mature they played this year. So, uh, you know, Fletcher lawyer, a brain spiff, those, and we'll see. I, I agree with you, Craig. You like it from the standpoint that they won't be, this won't be Jameer Young blowing by left and right, right? right? Yeah, that but was he, awful. <laughs> see a lot of, you will see some high IQ basketball and a couple guys that can shoot it. So, mm-hmm. you know, pick your poison kind of thing yeah. if you're if you're Michigan defensively. But always a great time with you, my guys, over at MGO Blog. I appreciate you. I, I hope you're enjoying maybe things calming down a little bit after last week, right? Do have signing day next week. We hope there will be some, some fireworks, but always a joy to do the MGO Blog Roundtable. 